first coming attractions. Before you go out and spend money on that new movie or digital media, make sure to listen to the entire show right here on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. We'll take you behind the scenes, interview celebrities, and review new movies, TV shows, and digital releases. Now, here are your hosts from Kids First Coming Attractions. Welcome to Kids First Coming Attractions. I'm Calista Best from Los Angeles, California. And today we will be talking about Fast and the Furious 9, The Tomorrow War, Boss Baby Family Business, Just Another Dream, Peter Rabbit 2, The Runaway, and Fathom Events. But first, let's talk with Ethan about Fast and the Furious 9. To start off with, what is the plot of Fast and the Furious 9? So the plot is this man named Dom Toretto. He's he's kind of basically you would call it retired. He's living isolated. And just one day he decides like he sees this car coming and he's like, oh, we have trouble. So his kid hides and they get guns and everything ready because they're isolated. So if someone comes to your house and you're isolated, that means trouble for what they did in the past eight episodes. You would see that. So he's really he's really trauma. And then it turns out to be their friends. And they're saying that his brother Jacob has a it's like a. It's like a piece that can destroy the world. They don't know it's Jacob yet, but they find Jacob and he took it. And he just needs the other piece to destroy the earth. So it's kind of like a whole entire quest just to stop Jacob from destroying the earth. <laughs> <laughs> so what is your relationship to the rest of the Fast and the Furious franchise? Have you seen some of the other films, anything like that? Yeah, I've um I've seen the other Fast and Furious films and um I think I connect to some people like for example Dom. Um I feel like I really connect with him because he's really protective and he taught his kid to hide whenever there's an intruder and it's like a whole entire thing. So I think I really connect to him the most. Mm-hmm. So for potential newcomers who want to watch this movie but might be put off by, you know, it being called Fast and the Furious Nine, um would you say you need to see most or all of the other films to enjoy this one? Well, it may be so for the other eight films, but I think Fast and Furious 9, you, you don't really need to watch the beginning. I mean, you, de- you do need to if you want to know who they are. But other than that, it's, most, it's, a, it's just like a story and you would have to assume that you already know them all. Um, if the, really, the other eight films are really good, but I think if you were to watch them, it would definitely help like, figure out what's happening. Mm-hmm. That makes sense, because I know there have been a few cases where, like, a movie will come out, it's connected to some other franchise, and, you know, you, you don't want to watch the whole, yeah like, the whole thing to understand this one movie, so I know that's like watching might... Star Wars. <laughs> All yeah. <laughs> yeah, so that might have been a problem. Um, so how are the characters in this film? Um, well, I really like their acting and how they fit in each scene. Like, some of my favorite actors were, there was John Cena, which was really, really uh-huh. nice. Uh, Vin Diesel, as we know, the main character. Michelle Rodriguez. Uh, Tyrese Gibson, he was so funny. He added so much comedy. It was so funny. But those are just some of my favorite actors that were in this film. Mm-hmm. Well, out of all of them, would you be able to pick a favorite? Definitely Tyrese Gibson. His jokes were so funny. I just love him. Mm-hmm. so speaking of the jokes uh would you say this film has a lot of good comedy yeah it's it's a mix between like keeping it straight on the story but also adding in some comedy it's like multiple things just in one and that's what makes this movie so good like i, I really really love this movie mm-hmm. well that's good to hear um because i think that a film that's able to balance multiple different ideas and tones and stuff like that is very fascinating yeah so what would you say is your favorite scene in this film? Um, they're, they're all really good, but um, one of my favorite scenes was, um, it, it was like, it was towards the beginning of the movie, so it's not really spoiling, but, <laughs> so they were, um, they did like this really cool trick that's, it's, it's in the trailer. So there, there was like this hook because the bridge fell off and Dom was like, all right, hold on. And then the car hooked onto it and he like spun in midair. It was crazy. And he jumped cliff to cliff in a car, which is Something that's literally impossible. Oh, wow. Final question. What is the star rating and age rating you would give this film? I'd give it five out of five stars. And I recommend it ages 13 and up because there's some harsh language. And adults can watch this with their kids, too. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you so much for this interview, Ethan. Thank you for having me. 
You're listening to Kids First Coming Attractions. Today, we just finished up talking about Fast and the Furious 9, and right now I am talking with Heather about The Tomorrow War. So, can you explain to me what the plot of The Tomorrow War is? So, fan favorite Chris Pratt is back, and he's playing family man Dan, and there's like this horrible war going on in the future 28 years from now. In 2050, so we're, everybody's just fighting aliens. So the humans from that time come and recruit humans from 2022, and Dan is drafted. So he has to go to the year 2050 to fight all these beasts and to make sure that when he gets back to his timeline that he can prevent the war from ever happening. Oh, wow. <laughs> that sounds very interesting. Um, it was. Was it ever a little bit confusing for you? Because I know time travel plots can sometimes be like a lot to take in or so how do you think this film got across like the understandability of the time travel shenanigans? It was pretty well. I mean, it it the the film overall is two hours long, so you oh, wow. have time to be able to see present time in 2022 to then him going into 2050. And then how he realizes that he has a chance to prevent the war from happening. Then he comes back and then he spends the majority more about an hour actually trying to prevent the war. So the time was very well divided to show the transitioning. Mm -hmm. That's good to hear because, you know, I'm I think time travel stories are interesting, but sometimes it can be a bit hard to convey. Exactly. Um, Yeah. So how was the acting in this film? I loved it. I loved it. Um, Yvonne Strahovski, she plays Dan's daughter, but she's all grown up. So when he leaves in 2022, she's just a little girl. So now in 2050, she's all grown up. And so, oh, there's there's a heart-wrenching moment there between the two of them. I don't want to spoil it, but it's so (laughs) sweet to see them. And I really felt like I was watching a father and daughter who... On one side, she knows like his entire life story from the 28 years that we didn't get to see and her pain. And then he's like, what? Like, what's going on? Like, I don't know. And so it's it's really hangs in the balance. Like you see his priorities not being I need to save the world, but I need to save my daughter. Mm hmm. Yeah. And that's good to hear. Um, Who would you say was your favorite actor in this film? Yvonne, actually, it's like she was such a girl power because I feel like a lot of the times people will think that a woman in power is just really annoying, but she did not come up, come across in that. She was super smart. She was a brilliant scientist. She's a great fighter. She's just all around super cool. And I feel like she's such a great actress and a great character for girls to look up to. Yeah, that's awesome. I definitely think we need more characters like that in our movies. So that's great to hear. Yep. Would would you say she was also your favorite character? Yes, yes, I do. I I loved seeing her, and it's like we we didn't get to see the twenty eight years, but we know that she's gone through so much without having to dive in so deep into the storyline, and she's just like I said, she's just such a strong character. But she really, really loves her family, and I just I just like seeing her fight, and she was just really cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, so what would you say was your favorite scene in this film? Because uh, there's my favorite scene is actually a really big spoiler. Like it had me tearing up and everything, but it it really punches you in the gut and it really hurts so much. It's between Dan and uh, Vicky. But yeah, I don't want to spoil it, but it's it's a great scene. If you watch the movie, you know what I'm talking about. That's understandable. I, I totally get that. Um, so final question, what is the star rating and age rating you would give this film? I'm going to give it three out of five stars and I recommend it for ages 13 to 18 plus adults. Mm -hmm. Well, thank you so much for talking to me, Heather. Oh, no problem. Thank you. Let's take a break. I'm Calista Best from Los Angeles, California, and you're listening to Kids First Coming Attractions. Today's show is sponsored by Llama Llama Family Vacation. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. 
To become a Kids First film critic, visit our website to find out when the next audition takes place. We hold auditions throughout the year and are always looking for kids ages 8 to 18 that love movies, love talking about movies, and love the chance to meet the talent that works on movies. We invite kids who live in or near any major city in the U.S., Canada, or the U.K. This summer, join us at our Kids First Film Critic Boot Camp at Temple University, where you can learn how to critique films, how to interview celebrities, and how to set up a home studio for next to nothing. For more info, visit www.kidsfirst.org. Think you have what it takes to become a Kids First Film Critic? Register to audition and give yourself a chance to join the entertainment business as a young entertainment reporter. Hurry! Our auditions take place the first Saturday of the month via Skype. Help us help other kids make smart decisions about the movies they choose. At Kids First, we believe that smart kids make smart consumers. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. tuned into Kids First Coming Attractions on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Shh! Turn your phone off. Another film review or celebrity interview is coming up. Hey, welcome back. I'm Calista Best from Los Angeles, California, and you're listening to Kids First Coming Attractions. We've been talking about Fast and the Furious 9 and The Tomorrow War, and next we will be talking to Tiana about the Boss Baby 2 family business. To start off with, why don't you explain the plot of Boss Baby 2? Yes, so this is the sequel to the original Boss Baby film called The Boss Baby, and we get to see the Templeton brothers, Tim and Ted, Um, And right now they are back as adults, but they have slowly drifted away from each other over the years. Um, So now in the sequel, we kind of see more of Ted's life or sorry, Tim's life um, with his family, including his new toddler daughter, Tina, who is voiced by Amy Sedaris. And she's kind of now the new boss baby um, where instead of Ted being the boss baby, um, and he's voiced by Alec Baldwin, who was the boss baby in the first one. Um, so now she's the boss baby. So she's kind of trying to get Tim and Ted back together as a family. And so that's kind of how it gets the title, The Family Business. Mm-hmm. Well, that sounds very interesting. I, uh, I remember watching The Boss Baby. God, like. I think it came out like. Uh, yeah, I was about to say, I think it came out four years ago. Oh my god, that feels weird. That feels weird to think about. Um, yeah, so to start off, uh, have you seen the original Boss Baby? Yes, I have. Mm-hmm. Do you think this film is a good follow up to the original? Yes, I do think that this is a good follow up. Um, it does still have like some references to the first film, but they still kind of expand on it in a sense. So you can easily follow along. Um, and another thing that I did enjoy was how the creator and director, Tom McGrath, and he also did the first one. Um, he still has the same concept about, you know, family and everything, but he just adds a new storyline, adding more characters. So yeah, I have seen the first one, and it is, like I said, easy to follow. Mm-hmm. Well, that's good to hear, because I definitely think sequels are probably one of the trickiest things to like pull off in a film. So how are the characters? Have they changed much from the first Boss Baby? Do they feel relatively the same, or what? You know what? Um, that is actually a very good question, and it does have a very interesting answer. So... I feel like the characters, they kind of, like I said, they kind of drifted away from each other. So in the first one, you know, they're kind of arguing, they're bickering, trying to get rid of each other. But yeah. then they, then towards the end of the first one, they kind of bond more and are like, okay, I don't want to get rid of you, you know, like family. But then now since they drifted away from each other and grew up and changed so much, 
now they kind of have sort of different personalities than they were kids. So now it's like they don't know as much about each other. They are kind of getting to know each other again. So they're right back to the same thing when they first, you know, kind of got to know each other. I do think that it is an interesting sort of situation because like their relationship is obviously the most important part of the first film. And so I think having like a situation where they finally got together and now they're drifting apart again, I think that sets up a very interesting conflict that we now have with the second film. So definitely. So for the final question, uh, what is the star rating and age rating you would give this film? Yes. So I would rate the boss baby, the family business five out of five stars and recommend it for ages 11 to 18 and adults will like it too. And just to add, it does come out July 2nd um, in theaters and on Peacock. If you want to watch it, it's a great family movie for families to bond over. All right. Well, thank you so much for this interview, Tiana. Yes. Thank you. Make sure to go watch it. It was great. (laughs) You're listening to Kids First Coming Attractions. Today, we've been talking about Fast and the Furious 9, The Tomorrow War, and Boss Baby Family Business. And next up, we're going to be listening to Tiana's interview with Alec Baldwin, Amy Sedaris, and Tom McGrath. I'm Tiana Sturmers reporting for Kids First, and today I'm going to be speaking with Alec Baldwin and Amy Sedaris. So my first question is for Mr. Baldwin. So the message from the original Boss Baby is that love conquers all. What message will the audience take away from Boss Baby, the family business? Don't get into business with your niece too quickly. (laughs) (laughs) Really, really measure it. Think about it. Don't let emotions rule the day you love her, but maybe it's not in your interest overall. Boundaries. (laughs) Boundaries. Boundaries. Definitely. (laughs) So what would you say is, because I know something that you did is some of like the baby sound effects in the film. So what was one of the most challenging or funniest sound effects that you had to do in this film? (laughs) Probably that. I do that in real life on the street when I'm trying to get someone's attention. I go, and they always hear it. (laughs) So I'm just happy to do it in the film as well. It works. And you I do can, it in restaurants too? Yeah, I do it everywhere and you can hear it. But, uh, and squirrels respond to it because I never leave my house without nuts because I go to the park and feed the squirrels. They love it. Oh, that's so funny. Thanest person you're ever going to be. No, it's incredible. I love it. I'm loving every minute of it. <laughs> oh, what about you, Mr. Baldwin? Did you do any? I think the hardest thing in the first movie was that I had to roll down the stairs. Oh. And then Tom said to me, I need a sound of you rolling down. Watch the clip. And we watched the clip, and I was like, I can't do that. Oh, yeah, that's hard. And it was like, they wanted me to be like, oh, 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 oh. and they wanted this kind of, like you're thumping down a staircase, you're in, and I was in some toy, and there's that's a lot right. of bouncing. Then I bounce out the door out into the street or whatever, and that was really hard. Oh, I bet it was. It was one of the hardest things I've ever done. Yeah, I believe that. Yeah, I bet. I see a lot of the sound effects in movies. I'm like, how do the people actually make this sound so real? I went on the show Mandalorian, and I had a speak frog. And I asked Favreau, I go, what what does that sound like? He's like, I don't know. I'm like, so I, oh, I did it like this. Like a frog. (laughs) I know I knocked. That's so Thank you. <laughs> so, Miss Ceteris, you play the new f- member of the Templeton family, Tina. So, how did you prepare for playing your role? <clears throat> I did no preparation; it just came natural. Um, <laughs> I didn't prep for it at all. I just uh, was heavily directed, and I just made sure that I brought plenty of energy to the to the day to be able to keep up with her because she's, you know, spicy. Yeah, she definitely is. And the fact that you said that you were just able to do it, that is amazing. You're really talented. Yeah, and she talks really fast. I can talk fast, but she really talks fast. Yeah. When you pay her, she talks really fast. Yeah, when I do pay me, I talk extra, extra super fast. fast. (laughs) So for both of you, what would you say is your favorite scene to record, starting with Mr. Baldwin? From this movie? It's hard to say you have a favorite. I guess the, the, when you see a movie and you're part of a movie, the thing you would often have uh, your mind on, I mean, for me as an actor, is the beginning and the end. 
how does it start and how does it end? Mm -hmm. and, and the ending, because it's a family film, it's probably going to have a nice emotional twist and be kind of warm. And you want to make sure that, that all the time you've been, you know, being silly and playful, that in the end you're sincere and you try to really connect to the end and give people the ending they want, which can be silly and sincere, but, uh, uh, but you really want to uh, um, deliver the message, you know what I mean, of family. Mm -hmm. Family love. Definitely. I don't love my family. No, no, it's but very I, it, clear. But I love my movie it's family. very clear. Yeah. Did you watch the movie with any children? Are they other children or? Uh, no, I watched it by myself with, with my mom. Um, okay. And we really enjoyed it. It was really great. So um, for... Uh, I did say this was both, so Ms. Ceteris, if you would like to add uh, what your favorite scene was to record? I mean, I can't think of a scene that I didn't like recording. I think I like the one, you know, popped into my head is when I'm running around the room and explaining what a baby corp is and, and you know, when I'm, 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 I get really angry and then I'm happy and I got to play, you know, I'm bouncing around the room, I'm under the lampshade, I'm in the bed, and that was a fun... That was a fun. I just remember enjoying uh, that scene. Yeah, it was a pretty I fun scene. It. I don't even can't tell you any more about it than what I just said. But it was in the beginning. Yeah. Yeah, I scene? do remember that scene. It was pretty funny. Daddy, daddy. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's all the time we have. Thank you so much for talking with me. Bye. Thank you. Thank you. I'm Tian Summers reporting for Kids First, and today I'm going to be speaking with Tom McGrath. I'm super excited. I got a chance to see this movie already, and I loved it. You did a great job. Oh, thanks. It's good to hear from you. Thank you. You're welcome. So you also were able to direct the first Boss Baby film. What would you say is the most thing that most important thing that you wanted to deliver on this sequel? Well, you know, uh, it's always fun to make a comedy because, you know, you want people to laugh and, and um and that's the, the joy of making uh, a film in, in theaters is to let people like hear them all laughing together. But I think with the second one, we really wanted to bring some more heart to it, you know, because we've all lived through families and we've all had drama with families. And and um, we just wanted to have this movie mean a little bit more and mean more to parents and mean more to kids in our relationships that we we all have in common with our families. Yeah, and like I said, I got a chance to see it, and you definitely were able to put that in the movie. Oh, thanks, Diana. You're welcome. So what was the motivation behind the storyline of Boss Baby, The Family Business? Well, the first movie is very boy-centric because it's these two petty little brothers, you know, kind of fighting, which is really fun. And, you know, we picked up the movie where the last one left off because if you remember the first movie, this little baby in a suit winks at the camera. And we go, oh, wouldn't it be fun to have a, a strong female boss? You know, someone who could outboss Boss Baby and have a new voice in the room that was like the voice of a new generation, like a younger generation that embraces teamwork and embraces camaraderie and, and has a positive outlook, which I think most kids today have, you know. So she made a great foil for Boss Baby. You know, they could play after because he's more uh, grumpy and the old way of business and she could be the new bright way of business and they would they would uh, have contrast. And so we just thought that would be really fun to have a new voice in the movie. Yeah, it was really fun. And I love what you said about um, kind of having the new generation showing a, a kind of brighter way of doing things. Um, and it's definitely something that um, ties into what's going on in the world today. Yeah, because I think, you know, kids can, I think kids today are, are more savvy. And I think, you know, they're looking at the way we used to do things and finding better ways to do it. And I think that's what gives the future hope is the voice of a, a new generation that wants to do things differently and, and in a better, more positive way. Definitely. So for my last question, can you describe the perfect audience that will enjoy this film? We made it for all audiences, you know, and, and um, we wanted it to be, you know, that uh, parents could be just as entertained as kids, you know, and grandparents could be just as entertained as parents and that you, we could all laugh at the movie together um, and have a good time together. And we wanted to be one of the first movies out in theaters where you could take the whole family and everyone would enjoy it equally, even if you're laughing at different things. 
Yeah. And this is definitely a film that I would recommend to my family because I got a lot of cousins who are kids and I know they will love the film. Um, I loved it. So thank you so much for speaking with me today. This was really fun. Oh, thank you, Tiana. Thank you so much. I'm so glad you saw the movie because not many people have yet. So we're looking forward to it coming out July 2nd. Yeah, can't wait. Let's take a break. I'm Calista Best from Los Angeles, California, and you're listening to Kids First Coming Attractions. Today's show is sponsored by Llama Llama Family Vacation. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. To become a Kids First film critic, visit our website to find out when the next audition takes place. We hold auditions throughout the year and are always looking for kids ages 8 to 18 that love movies, love talking about movies, and love the chance to meet the talent that works on movies. We invite kids who live in or near any major city in the U.S., Canada, or the U.K. This summer, join us at our Kids First Film Critic Boot Camp at Temple University, where you can learn how to critique films, how to interview celebrities, and how to set up a home studio for next to nothing. For more info, visit www.kidsfirst.org. Think you have what it takes to become a Kids First Film Critic? Register to audition and give yourself a chance to join the entertainment business as a young entertainment reporter. Hurry! Our auditions take place the first Saturday of the month via Skype. Help us help other kids make smart decisions about the movies they choose. At Kids First, we believe that smart kids make smart consumers. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. are tuned into Kids First Coming Attractions on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Shh! Turn your phone off. Another film review or celebrity interview is coming up. Hey, welcome back. I'm Calista Best from Los Angeles, California, and you're listening to Kids First Coming Attractions. We've been talking about the Tomorrow War and Boss Baby Family Business, and next I will be talking with Ashley on Just Another Dream. So, how are you today, Ashley? Hey, Ashley. I'm good, thank you. So, uh, what is the plot of Just Another Dream? So, Just Another Dream is about a girl who had a injury when she was younger, and she had to, um, and eventually she had side effects that allowed her to have these dreams that were very realistic and that, you know, may come true. Mm-hmm. Well, I do think this film has a very interesting concept. Um, so how are the characters in this film? So personally, I think that the idea of the characters were like done really well. Um, you know, for example, Anna, who is, plays the main character, um, she, she like the idea of her character is really powerful. I think that her being able to act out such like, um, I don't know how to explain it, but it's like her character seems to be really um, informative on what she's going through. Um, how the actor, actress, Caden Price uh, portrays her, um, it's enjoyable to watch, but sometimes her performance is not as um, inspired um, or emotional as I personally think it should have been. Yeah, I understand that. Um I definitely have felt the experience of liking a character, but not really being able to get into the performance. Like, yeah. Yeah, I think that's very understandable. And speaking of which, uh, how is the acting overall in this film? Yeah, so uh, again, it's like, um, like the actors are actually, I actually enjoyed them um, because um, sometimes they were funny and I think that they really added their own personal personalities to this because it felt like natural enough that it, like they weren't acting, but also with that in some scenes it felt very amateur. Um, so 
again, it felt sometimes uninspired um, with some of the scenes that really needed that extra push when it came to like the acting. Yeah, I get that because, um, you know, in a film like this, you definitely would want like a strong performance to really like uh, make the film and its concepts sort of like stand out and to push it along. Yes, exactly. So uh, who would you say was your favorite character in this film? I would have to say Anna, personally, played by Caden Price. Like, I think that her being the main character, I think that she kind of held the film in a way. Um, we see a lot of scenes with her, with her in it. And I think that um, she actually did a pretty good job when it came to, like, being the main character and having the role of... Um, having to play this part. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, that's good to hear. Um, what would you say is your favorite scene in this film? So I would actually have to say it's when um, Anna is in, um, like, this, um, you know, mental hospital. And um, these two uh, characters come into her room and they're really, uh, it's like a really funny moment. And I love that scene because it, it, it just felt natural. And I actually really enjoyed that because I thought it was pretty funny. Well, that's good to hear. Um, what, uh, what would you say is the message of this film? So I so this film definitely goes into like loss and PTSD, which are very important. But I really would say that it's to never discredit another person's experiences or their feelings about them, because you never know if it's real or if it's something that really matters to them. Yeah, I think that's a very important message. And I think that's like something that it's a message that should be taught more. I think that is a really, really strong moral. Yes. So for the final question, what is the star rating and age rating you would give this film? So I give Just Another Dream three out of five stars, and I recommend it to ages 8 to 18, plus adults as well. Mm-hmm. You're listening to Kids First Coming Attractions. Today, we have been talking about the Tomorrow War, Boss Baby Family Business, and Just Another Dream. And right now, we're going to be talking to Aperva and Callie on Peter Rabbit 2, The Runaway. So, Aperva, can you describe the plot of this film? Peter Rabbit 2 is basically about how Peter goes on with his life after, you know, after the original adventure that he had. And B and Thomas are now married. You know, they show that scene and it's great and everyone's living great. And B actually publishes a book um, on her original adventure with the rabbits, which we all saw in the original. And then she, the, a, a famous publisher, Nigel Basil Jones, come ac- comes across it and he has his own ideas. You know, he twists it, makes it imaginary fantasy, all this kind of stuff. And he puts Peter as the bad seed. And now Peter is kind of venturing, like, is that really what everybody thinks about me? And then, you know, he he tries to embrace this new character. He kind of experiments on us himself. So it's 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 a great comedy movie, great family movie, and overall it's just amazing. Well, that sounds very interesting. Um so Callie, have you seen the original Peter Rabbit film? Um, I have. Mm-hmm. Do you think this film is a good follow-up to the original? I think it's a very reasonable follow-up to it. It's very, it really like leads up to the point where you left off last time. It shows where the characters were at and it doesn't go too far ahead where it has to fill you in. I think it's just the perfect amount and it really holds the standards of the other one. I might actually say it's funnier. Oh, Wow. It was very great. And Aperva, do you have, uh, what are your thoughts on this film in terms of its strengths as a sequel? Oh yeah, usually I feel like in most movies, the first film is great, the second film, and then the third film is good. Yeah, and then this one, it's actually completely different. I was surprised, I I was amazed. The second film is actually a great follow-up. It, um, like Callie said, um, 
it doesn't jump so much ahead that they have to fill you in and then like it's kind of confusing nothing like that it's great it's you know it it everything makes sense in terms of everything you need to know you already know from the first film so it's a great follow-up it it's you know it holds up on the comedy it's yeah it's just amazing well that's good to hear um Callie, you mentioned the comedy, so, and what would you say is your favorite joke in this film? Um, well, they don't really make any jokes, but, like, their actions are very funny. Like, in the film, they try to rob and, like, take down the farmer's market, which is a little interesting because they're all animals, but (laughs) they go through with it pretty well. Well, that sounds like an interesting scene. Um, Aperva, what would you say is your favorite scene in this film? Oh, definitely. Um, the scene where they rob the farmer's market. They're actually, it's, it's, it's hilarious. It's amazing. It's like, it's super cool how, because what they're actually looking for is dried fruit. Believe it or not, they're robbing the farmer's market for dried fruit. So, um, that itself kind of makes it super cool. Like, it's just a whole, it's the concept. And I mean, it'd be hard for me to verbally explain all the actions, but I would definitely say like the way they do things, there's a hint of comedy in there and you don't know why, but you're just laughing as the movie plays. I, I kid you not, I was in the th- movie theater when I was watching this and I was just laughing the whole time. Like when I came back, my face hurt because of all the laughing I did. And, and during the movie, when I was laughing, everyone was looking at me strangely, like, what? Why is she laughing? Is she, something, is she okay? So, you know, um, I would definitely say that the best, fil- the, the best scene in the film was the farmer's market one. I don't want to spoil it too much, so I'll let the viewers watch it, but that is definitely a great scene. Wow, that, that does sound like a very fun scene. Um, so, final question, Callie, what is the star rating and age rating you would give this film? Um, I would say that it's five out of five stars because it's so funny. And I would rate it for three to 18 plus adults. Well, thank you both of you for this interview. Let's take a break. I'm Calista Best from Los Angeles, California, and you're listening to Kids First Coming Attractions. Today's show is sponsored by Llama Llama Family Vacation. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. To become a Kids First film critic, visit our website to find out when the next audition takes place. We hold auditions throughout the year and are always looking for kids ages 8 to 18 that love movies, love talking about movies, and love the chance to meet the talent that works on movies. We invite kids who live in or near any major city in the U.S., Canada, or the U.K. This summer, join us at our Kids First Film Critic Boot Camp at Temple University, where you can learn how to critique films, how to interview celebrities, and how to set up a home studio for next to nothing. For more info, visit www.kidsfirst.org. Think you have what it takes to become a Kids First film critic? Register to audition and give yourself a chance to join the entertainment business as a young entertainment reporter. Hurry! Our auditions take place the first Saturday of the month via Skype. Help us help other kids make smart decisions about the movies they choose. At Kids First, we believe that smart kids make smart consumers. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. are tuned into Kids First Coming Attractions on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Shh! Turn your phone off. Another film review or celebrity interview is coming up. Hey, welcome back. I'm Calista Best from Los Angeles, California, and you're listening to Kids First Coming Attractions. We have been talking about the Tomorrow War, Boss Baby Family Business, Just Another Dream, and Peter Rabbit 2, The Runaway, Fast and the Furious 9. And next, we are going to be listening to Ashley interview Ray Nutt on Fathom Events. 
Hi, I'm Ashley Clyde reporting for Kids First, and today I have the delight to speak with the CEO of Fathom Events, Mr. Ray Nutt. Mr. Nutt is a leader of one of the largest distributors of diverse content for movie theaters in North America. Last summer, during the height of quarantine, our Kids First film critics interviewed Mr. Nutt about the closing of movie theaters and what to expect. Today, what we are going to talk about is a follow-up with news to share about the reopening of cinemas and what the transition looks like and what you can expect about the theatrical screening. Well, thanks for coming back to visit with us, Mr. Nutt. I can only imagine how much of a challenge that the last year has been for you as CEO of Adam Events. So my question for you is, can you tell us a little bit about the adjustments that you had to make as CEO um, at your office and how you had to survive the quarantine? Well, to say the, uh, to say the last uh, 15 now going on 16 months has been humbling would be an understatement. Uh, with theaters closing, as, as you know, uh, Fathom uh, distributes our content to movie theaters pretty much exclusively. So with movie theaters shutting down, uh, it was an opportunity for us to peel back the onion and, and look at our business. Um, and uh, the industry as a whole was down about 80% during 2020, and uh, uh, Fathom was very consistent with that. So uh, it did cause us to uh, look at our business, to scrutinize our business. And in terms of survival, uh, you know, we had nowhere to distribute our content uh, to movie theaters since they were closed down. So um, we actually uh, uh, had a couple of uh, employee furloughs here, which were fortunately very, very short for our employees and our staff. Uh, we were the beneficiary of a couple of uh, uh, government uh, grants, I'll just call them, the two PP loans and what they call an employee retention credit as well, which helped us uh, pay our payroll, uh, helped us with our rent and a few other expenses that uh, that, that was for. And uh, it really helped us get through things. But more than anything, it helped us uh, examine our business, uh, look at how we communicate with our customers, for example, stay in touch with them, stay in touch with our content providers, um, and we really weathered the storm uh, during a very, very, very difficult time. So uh, we're happy to say that we're kind of out of the other end of this thing, or at least at the other end of it. And things are improving right now. So we're very excited about that. That's awesome. So you already answered a little bit of my next question, which was in your professional opinion, how has the entertainment industry as a whole, um, you know, really changed, um, and especially for Fathom Events? Do you have a little bit more on that of how the entertainment industry has changed? Yeah, the industry's changed. I think it's caused a lot of us to take a look at our business, whether it's on the exhibition side of the business, the distribution side of the business. There were a lot of things that were going on prior to uh, the pandemic, uh, discussions for years and years with uh, distribution and exhibition uh, with regard to windows, you know, when do you release a uh, movie in movie theaters and then how long does it stay in movie theaters and then go to a different platform like a streaming platform, for example. And those kinds of conversations were accelerated by the pandemic because at that point, um, uh, exhibitor, I'm sorry, uh, distributors had content uh, that they could not release in movie theaters, just like Fathom, and that uh, they started releasing them onto their streaming services and so forth. So um, the industry has changed very significantly, but there is a, a sense of normalcy that seems to be coming out of the back end as well. Wow. So, and you touched on streaming services, which uh, perfectly segues into my next question, which is, you know, during quarantine, a lot of consumers have had many choices um, more than, you know, just Hulu and Netflix, like Apple TV+, Plus, Paramount+, Plus, all these new streaming services that we have a lot more choices on. So what does that, um, you know, mean for the competition of movie theaters? Um, and what does that mean for consumers who want to go to movie theaters but have so many options at home? Yeah. So uh, first of all, what a great time to launch a streaming service if you were a studio, right? Uh, so, they, you know, people couldn't go to movie theaters. They were stuck at home. Uh, so from, from a, uh, an opportunistic perspective uh, with regard to streaming services, it was, a, it was a really, really good thing for the studio community on the distribution side to do and a great, distri you know, great distribution platforms. I think, like I said before, it accelerated those conversations between 
um, between distribution and exhibition about windows when movie theaters would open. But I, I don't really look at the streaming services being necessarily competitive. When I think of the word competitive, I think of a winner and maybe a loser. Um, and in this situation, I think the streaming services uh, are, are complementary to what we're doing. And I think what you're seeing now is a lot of the studios who are releasing their films, um, they were releasing them exclusively on streaming services because that's all they could really do at that time. So now I think what they're doing is they're looking at the opportunities to work with exhibition and what are those windows and really take advantage of all the windows to monetize content and let people see it the way they want to see it. Do they want to see it on the big screen? Do they want to see it at home or both? Most, most of your fanatic moviegoers also want to see it at home. So there's a, there's a compliment there as well. So I, I actually see it, uh, see the future of, of streaming and exhibition is very complimentary. I'll give you another quick example. We worked with, Amazon recently to uh, uh, do a private screening of the movie Without Remorse with Michael B. Jordan. And uh, it's based on the Tom Clancy book. And uh, we inv uh, Amazon invited a number of their Amazon Prime members to come to movie theaters to see it on the big screen before it launched on their streaming service. So it's just a small example of ways that I believe that we could be working together and not really view it as competition because I think there's a there's a, a, a platform and window for everybody here. Wow, that's amazing. You're listening to Kids First Coming Attractions. Today we've been talking about the Tomorrow War, Boss Baby Family Business, Just Another Dream, and Peter Rabbit 2, The Runaway. And right now we're going to be continuing Ashley's interview with Ray Nutt on Fathom Events. And my next question um, has to do with um, one of your owners, which is AMC. Um, and Fathom Events is owned by AMC, which is with as well as others. Um, and a lot of people have been talking about this, the stock of AMC, which has been compared to GameStop, GameStop in like in, in the recent days, um, ballooning for a lot of like a big percentage. So I was wondering if, a, the AMC stock had, you know, any impact on Fathom Events in any way, or what were your thoughts on that when you were saying it? Yeah, it's very interesting what's going on there. Um, uh, AMC uh, owns 32% of uh, Fathom, as does Regal and Cinemark. Um, so we are owned by the three largest uh, uh, theater exhibitors in the world, all of which are public companies. Uh, I think the encouraging thing uh, to me, I, I can't comment too much on the, the stock itself, but I think what's encouraging to me about what's going on is um, people are interested in the movie business. And you have this whole sector of people who are buying stock in AMC and probably the other two circuits as well and other public companies. But what's interesting to me about it is that um, is to see the enthusiasm by that market, by a sector of, of the community out there that wants to save AMC, I think was some of the things that they were saying and that type of thing. So it's exciting to me that they're excited about going back to the movies, to have a place to go, to have, you know, a great experience and, and see their favorite content on the big screen. So that, that to me is the most exciting part of, uh, of what's going on there with, uh, with the stock at AMC. Yes, definitely. Um, I, my teacher, my econ teacher was talking about it. My dad was talking about it. I mean, it was just a huge talk about um, movie theaters reopening and what that looked like um, economically as well. So thank you for that. Um, my last question for you actually has to do with if you have anything lined up in the near future, um, maybe specifically for kids and families that you are excited about, or just anything that you are personally excited about, about what Fathom Events will do in the near future. Well, as you, as you can imagine, through the pandemic, there was a lot of content that we had lined up to uh, distribute to movie theaters, and uh, that got delayed or pushed off. And uh, so our, um, our upcoming slate is jam-packed, and it starts off with the Metropolitan Opera. It looks like they're probably going to be open again this fall uh, with our live and HD series, but we do, uh, we're, we're starting this summer. Uh, with some uh, with some encores, uh, with some some very famous uh, uh, encores, uh, Porgy and Bess, Carmen, Tosca, 
And then we have a documentary coming out from the new conductor. They have a brand new conductor uh, at the Metropolitan Opera that everybody's excited about. Yannick is his name. So there's a documentary about him that people don't want to miss. Um, and then there's some fanfare for families in this category, too. We'll have the Bolshoi coming back with the Nutcracker uh, around the holidays. Um, so that'll be some, some uh, good family fanfare. And then the Magic Flute uh, is always good for families. Uh, in the arts category. Anime, we've got just a ton of uh, uh, bringbacks that we're that we have. Very famous, Lupin, Promere, Weathering with You. Um, and then we have uh, the Academy Award winner, Spirited Away and Children of the Sea that will cater to families and kids. And the Academy Award uh, or nominated uh, uh, Wolfwalkers is, is coming back as well. And then in the Faith and Inspiration uh, categories, um, we have, um, um, a Father's Legacy coming up next week, which is a which is a very very good film. Uh, but we have a couple of other films that will cater to families and kids: uh, Journey with Jesus and Free Burma Rangers that uh, I think uh, the families won't want to miss. Uh, and then in the classics, we have a huge classic program, a great relationship with Turner Classic Movies. Um, we have uh, a lot of anniversary titles coming up: Jerry Maguire's 25th anniversary. Uh, Citizen Kane, 80th anniversary, Silence of the Lambs, West Side Story on Golden Pond. Uh, but we do have a couple of films that I think your audience may be interested in. Uh, the Great Muppet Scaper is celebrating their 40th anniversary. And uh, Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory is celebrating the 50th anniversary. So, um, so it gives you some idea. We also have a 17-year relationship with Drum Corps International that your audience may be interested in. That's coming up July. And they'll be doing some of their great performances uh, from some of the best drum corps around the world. Uh, uh, so uh, look forward to that in July as well. So as you can see, a, a very, very good slate. We've got, um, uh, we have some titles that are coming up that, that we'll be announcing here in the next uh, few weeks as well for the rest of the year and into 2022. So we're already booking into 2022, which is an encouraging sign for everybody. Thank you for speaking with me today, Mr. Nutt. You can learn more about upcoming events at Fathom Events at www.fathomevents.com. Check it out. I'm Ashley Clyde reporting for Kids First. Bye. Thank you so much for joining us. You've been listening to Kids First Coming Attractions. To watch our latest reviews of the latest films, DVDs, TV shows, music, and apps, and to learn how you can join our Kids First Film Critics team, go to www.kidsfirst.org. Be sure to check out our YouTube channel and look for our reviews on Press for Kids, kidsworlds.com, and Kidsville News. This show is produced by the Coalition for Quality Children's Media for Voice America and iHeartRadio. Today's show is sponsored by Llama Llama Family Vacation. I'm Calista Best from Los Angeles, California. Thank you for listening. Bye-bye. Thank you again for tuning in to Kids First Coming Attractions on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Now, you know more which movies, TV shows, or digital media to look for, or learned about the talent that worked on or off camera on them, and can make informed decisions about what to watch. Be sure to subscribe to our channel so you don't miss an episode, and tune in again next week.